welcome back to Judging Book Covers Podcast, a bi-weekly book club podcast where I bring on two guests to read a book suggested by one of the guests. This week I'm joined again by Emily Bennett and Ollie Brady, and we read Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World by Haruki Mirakami. Emily, yes. why did you suggest this book? I think we briefly <laughs> touched on it last time, but still. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't completely get the concept when you told me to check a book <laughs> or pick a book. So... This has been on my shelf since November. Um, my friend Nathan gave it to us uh, on my my husband's birthday because it's one of Nathan's favorite books. He knew that I had read another Murakami book, and he wanted us to read this one. So he gave it to us. As you can see, this is John's bookmark. He got to page... He got to page 111. That's he he did well. That is that is good going. That is, that is impressive. I'm okay with you using this podcast to clear out your to-be-read shelf. That's okay. okay. And so I knew I had enjoyed the other book that I had read of his, which I won't name drop because Ollie... <laughs> I believe it's uh, Kafka on the Shore. Kafka on the Shore, Kafka was it? Kafka on the Shore, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ollie did doesn't you... like that I use it to compare this book to since it's my only frame of reference for Murakami books, but it's okay, Ollie. But Emily, tell me, have you read uh, Kafka on the Shore? I, Jesus Christ, Ollie. Yes, okay, I have. No, I have a, an actual question. Have you actually read any Kafka? I have not. Okay. I am curious how it compares to, because I've read Kafka. Mm-hmm. I have not read Kafka on the shore. I doubt there's anything connecting the two except the name, kind of. Um, There is, I'm trying to remember. He wrote uh, The Metamorphosis. Okay, that's what I thought he wrote. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, I think, a bit of magical realism. Either way, it's... Sure. It's just, that's like the kid's name in the book, and oh, okay. it doesn't, and there, it's it's very hard to explain, as with this <laughs> book, you can't really. Yes. I have read yeah. Bridget Jones' Diary, and in that, the guy has written a book called Kafka's Motorcycle. Hmm. That's okay. as close to Kafka as I've ever gotten. <laughs> so neither of you have ever read The Metamorphosis? No. No. Should we? Okay. Did, did you mention it's... it was magical realism? Um, I th- let me look it up. Hang on. Because <laughs> now that I know it's magical realism, I don't think I ever will read it either. It's the one where the guy wakes up and he's a cockroach. Right. I'm trying sounds... to remember which class I was required to read this for. Oh, sounds bang on. Emily, just a quick question while Megan's looking that up. Uh, you know your friend Nathan? Yes. <laughs> does he have a large record collection? He does. <laughs> okay, I lied. It is not magical realism. It is more of a fantasy or horror depending on who you talk to, apparently. Oh, there you go, Ollie. Yeah, I, I like both of those genres. Maybe I will check out this Kafka guy. Ollie likes to be, likes everything to be very clear-cut. He doesn't, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he doesn't want unicorns yeah. mixing in with realistic No, no, lines. I don't. I, I'm 100% in this. Um, I'm going to come over all Carl Pilkington on this one. I like magic <laughs> and I like realism. <laughs> but this magical realism, oh, what's that all about? Like, there's, there's no reason for 90% of the bullshit that happens in this book. Um, and as a scientist, well, sorry, I'm, I'm saying I'm a scientist, right? I'm not a scientist. I was a scientist. Now I'm a teacher, right? But as a science so type person, the fact that he's mixing in just enough science to tantalize me into thinking, oh, my God, this is really interesting. And he's like, oh, also unicorns. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. See, and there's Ollie- nothing there to be like, unicorns are real. <laughs> Unicorns used to be real. They have cut, yeah. killed, died out. 
And see, Ollie, this is why we work so well together, because we balance each other out. I, my eyes were glazing over and my mind was wandering <laughs> during those science parts. Yet, when the magical realism came back in, I was like, oh, finally, we're through all of that <laughs> bullshit. So should I even attempt to summarize this book? Yes. Well, can this book Please be do, summarized? Megan. Just Please for the do. listeners, so that they at least have some idea okay. of what we're going to be babbling about. Okay. So this is two stories into one. So alternating chapters are two different stories. The first story is about the narrator, who is a Caltech, who is organizing data for the grandpa of the chubby young woman. I'm making air quotes like anybody can see this. Megan is making very sarcastic air quotes here, guys. (laughs) And um, then he gets attacked by thugs and... They kind of make it out to be like it's going to be that kind of novel, but it's not. Um, And then the other half is about the newcomer who becomes the dream reader in this utopian town where no one dies and no one feels pain or upset because your shadow has to die and your shadow is your soul. And then you get a new job. Yes. Yes. You have to dissociate yourself from your old life. And they come together into one book. And eventually it kind of makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, kind of is a very, very powerful (laughs) phrase. Prior to reading the book, Ollie, what did you think it was going to be about? What what did I think this was going to be about? Yeah, Honestly. When you picked this up. When the first time I picked this up, right, um, I went into the shop. I I said this in the last podcast. I had to go to like four different bookshelves to get it, right? And (laughs) when I finally got it, I picked it up and I was like, oh, no. This is going to be all artsy. That's not, that's not an Ollie Brady style book. Um, didn't read the back of it just because it was the one we were picking. I just bought it and then I was going home. It was like hard-boiled wonderland and the end of the world. I wonder if this is... I'm going to sound so stupid here. I wonder if this is going to be like a, set in some sort of um, theme park. Uh, I understand that, actually. Yeah. And the wonderland. Yeah, uh-huh. and... And the front cover, it kind of looks a little bit like a Ferris wheel. I must take a picture of it and send it to you. Uh, it look, kind of looks like a Ferris wheel, and there's a set of dividers there. And I, I genuinely thought to myself, oh, this is going to be like set in a theme park about designing theme parks or something like this here. So I started reading it, and I got about <laughs> 15 pages into the first chapter, and I sent Emily a text message going, I fucking hate this book. <laughs> I don't actually hate the book. I, I genuinely enjoyed the book and if we're comparing it to the book that we read for the last podcast this is a much better book it's a way better written book he's a fantastic writer well i will never read this again ever it's the complete opposite and they have very different goals for their stories that is true it's hard to compare the two gamel wants you to enjoy his story (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know if murakami cares so much about that (laughs) I at least knew who the author was because my mom's a fan and read 1Q84. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that we were going to be in for a little bit of a rough ride just from that. <laughs> I do suggest reading his running book if you've ever jogged or considered jogging. Um, it makes you want to become a runner again. Like, yeah. I can't describe it. It's Especially if you listen to the audiobook, it's so soothing. And you are like, running is going to bring me peace and happiness in the world. It is the missing link. All lies. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I think I'm going to start again. But 
I don't know. Running only ever seems to bring me pain, sweat, and an overall <laughs> feeling of hatred for myself. So, yeah, I imagine that's what Murakami is going for. <laughs> oh, so this book was written in either 1984 or 1985. So the science part of it was actually kind of cool because it was vague enough that it still worked. Mm-hmm. Like, he sorts through data and processes it. And then turns around and quote unquote shuffles it, which is a type of encryption, which we are now 30 years later as it hit me when Ollie was explaining to me that the 80s were 30 years ago um, (laughs) and that I'm turning 30 next year and not 20, um, that the, you know, encryption is, is a lot more advanced nowadays and things like that. But I think theoretically this would still be more, I can't think of the word. Plausible. Not possible, but harder to decrypt. I can't, why can't I think yeah. of the word? Um, <laughs> Decode. Yes. If someone's mind is split in two and that's how they're coding things, that would still be harder than anything than a computer put together. Right. Yeah. Because they're going through the, the individual's subconscious mind. Right. And even they don't know what is being stored there. Right. Yeah. This book might be a little bit difficult to talk about. <laughs> this, this could be a little bit difficult to talk about. Uh, one thing I, I did as I started reading into it um, is for the first chapter or so, when they started talking about him being exceptional at math and exceptional at counting and stuff like this here, and I kind of started to get the idea that they were going to use his brain to store energy, and I thought it was going to be a steampunk novel. Uh, that, like, that's very, that would have been interesting. It's very William Gibson-esque, Johnny Mnemonic-style uh, storyline. Um and then I thought it was going to maybe, I, I don't know if you guys have ever read any Alfred Bester. I thought it might have been a bit Alfred Bester. He goes into like the human psyche and how the brain is is the most powerful computer and it's a billion, billion times more powerful than the most advanced supercomputers and all that sort of stuff. That's what I thought it was going to be. Turned out it was about a guy who likes to eat food and have sex. <laughs> yeah, this book has what? Uh six characters in total seven characters in total there's and one storyline there's a narrator the chubby girl the grandfather the librarian yes okay just say megan do these people have names by any chance (laughs) no they don't and i actually considered taking away all of our names and i don't just describing each other (laughs) yes I mean, that's going to get really difficult because I'm just going to be sitting here going, the beautiful one. And then you're not going to know which one I'm talking about. It's all right for me. I'm the dude. (laughs) Um, And then on the other side, we had the gatekeeper, the dream reader, the librarian, and the colonel. Yeah, Yeah, and the shadow. And the shadow. Yes. Yes, the shadow is a big part of that. Yes. When you guys were reading about the shadow, were you picturing Alec Baldwin? No, I was picturing Peter Pan. I was picturing a shadow <laughs> with oh. some with Very some vague features fan. because he would say that his shadow had a beard or his shadow looked <laughs> looked haggard. <laughs> I would add a beard as necessary. <laughs> yeah, no, it was very much a Peter Pan moment of staring at a wall and talking to a wall kind of thing. So, did you guys like any of the characters? Yeah, I liked the librarian in this Which in librarian? the in the end of the world story. Okay, so yeah, so. Hardboiled Wonderland is real world. Real world. Is real world. Okay. And then end of the world is Utopia. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Making sure I have it straight in my head. Yeah. It's the unicorn land. Yeah. Unicorn land. Yeah. <laughs> Those poor unicorns. That's right, guys. Just just in case you didn't realize this, there are unicorns in this book. <laughs> it 
took me a disturbing long time to realize they were unicorns, okay? <laughs> he doesn't there beat you beasts. over the head with it. <clears throat> there were so, beasts. So you asked if there were characters I liked. I really liked the professor's granddaughter, a.k.a. the chubby girl. <laughs> the pink chubby girl. Yeah. Yeah. Emily, would you say she was your kind of chubby? <laughs> sure, Ollie. She was because... my kind of chubby. I would totally have sex with her. Because, because sometimes the... it's nice to have sex with chubby women. I'm just saying is the narrator says it four times in the first two chapters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, her fashion choices are not to my taste, but that's yeah, fine. Yeah, so in my mind, she was wearing, like, a pink suit. But later, jumpsuit, she yeah. gets really muddy and has to, you know, wash her clothes and everything. And it's, like, pink bra, pink tights, <laughs> or pink out. Like, I was like, okay, yeah, we pushed the limit on the pink a little <laughs> well, that, too much. So that that was one of the two points where I would re- remember, oh, yeah, he wrote this in the 80s is when he was describing the fashions. <laughs> yes. Like the yes. the clunky earrings and the, the blue velvet dress with a lace collar. It <laughs> was. And then, awesome. It was very 80s. And every time he mentioned tapes. So um, at one point his VCR is smashed and he talks about how expensive it was. And another part he goes and buys a bunch of cassette tapes for his, for his <laughs> rental car. <laughs> That's a that's one of my favorite things about um, science fiction and fantasy novels. If you read, like, if you say you go back to something like uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, right? Um, mm-hmm. So seminal, written in the '60s, amazing book, I recommend it to everybody. They have flying cars, they have instantaneous travel, they have going to planets and living on planets, and they have Martians and all this sort of amazing stuff. They come back to Earth where they still have flying cars, they have all this stuff, and yet still they record stuff on tape. <laughs> it, because they it, couldn't think they could not past think tape. past tape it was like this is so amazing to uh, science writers it's like nothing could go beyond tape and they were so, so stupid they yeah, well, they, like I said um, Stranger Strange Land has mobile phones honest to god flip mobile phones described mm-hmm. almost exactly as they were in the, the early 90s or sorry yeah. late 90s and yet they're still recording their conversations <laughs> on tape like, like on Watergate tape. Like, you're like come on this is nuts like <laughs> So I liked I liked the chubby girl. I liked the librarian in Hard Boiled Wonderland. I did too. <clears throat> especially so did the, the more so we got to know her. Yeah, especially the more she showed up and I, I loved that whenever she was around that they would be eating a lot of food because she had yes. some sort of thing where she could eat and never be full. <laughs> she was always hungry. Yeah. Yes. She, For more than just food, Ollie. She <laughs> had a tapeworm, like <laughs> She needed to get that checked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She got she got a tapeworm. Oh God. Ew, are you talking about a I'm assuming he's talking about his penis, but Oh my god, Why I would does never it look like use a that. tapeworm, That's Ollie. Ollie, well, if he... your penis oh. looks like a tapeworm, you need to go to the doctor. Mine is perfectly <laughs> in working order, smashed. unlike certain characters in the book. <laughs> yeah, that's something okay, Murakami has certain trademarks, so he loves Oh, have music. you read any other Murakami, Emily? <laughs> he loves music, especially <laughs> classical music. He references pop culture a lot in random mm-hmm. ways. He loves to describe food, talk about food a lot, and also erections <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> all over the books, which I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I'd, I'm sure if I had a penis, I would also think about my erection a lot. Yeah, this is definitely a book that goes... That makes me go, so guys really do think food and penis. Uh-huh. Food and penis. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm just going to just gonna jump in here as male representative and say that that is 100% accurate. <laughs> but it's even the female, like, 
when he finally talks to the pink chubby girl, because um, in the first <laughs> chapter when you meet her, she doesn't have a voice. And so when she can finally speak, holy shit, she's like 17 and just, she talks about how the first time you have sex should be with someone over the age of 30 and then just starts asking him about his penis. Yeah, she's was, very I direct. I mean, you go, girl. Yeah, you go, what, girl. But as it says on the back, think? it's not not straight away to see a lad and go, "What that dick do?" Like <laughs> on the back, it says, <laughs> "It says she's shockingly undemure." <laughs> so, yeah, because she's, she's she's been she's seventeen. She's only been raised by her crazy professor grandfather. Yes, he brings up the subject first to the narrator oh, right. and says, "Hey, you should." have sex with my granddaughter because she needs to have sex she's 17 it's about time and then later she's asking him like so should we have sex because i'm 17 and it's about time and she just keeps bringing the topic up oh we could go live somewhere else together and have sex and we can go do this and we can go do that um do do you like when girls swallow your semen because this magazine says that men like it when girls swallow their semen but then i know you have 36 hours left in your life but do you enjoy when a woman swallows your semen yeah do you and he's just like uh maybe like (laughs) i hear the caltex after they finish doing a lot of data they go and have sex are you going to do that and he's like what (laughs) he tries but uh (laughs) she okay so but the this chubby girl which we keep saying that word because that's how she's referred to the whole that's pretty much the only description the whole time but she is one of the most capable badass characters in the book she takes him like they have to go rescue her grandfather at one time they're going underground it's pitch black there's there's giant holes there's rope climbing there's swimming and she's just unfazed by the whole thing and she knows everything she talks in the end about how she's like cryogenically frozen dogs and cats and how she's gonna (laughs) do that to him after he loses consciousness oh, and she's just like hanging out she, at one point these two thugs one very large man one very small man come in bust up his apartment slash his stomach like he can't handle them but she's talking to him at the end she's like oh yeah these two guys just came by but i just shot one of them in the ear and they left like <laughs> i'm n- n- not concerned at all and so she was probably my favorite character yeah she's she, an interesting yeah. character um, I, I like reading about it. I just wish she had it. a better descriptor, or yeah. at least change her descriptor. It right. just came too often. And then the guy, the narrator, our our guy, our main character, the fellow that we're supposed to identify with, describing the last time he'd had sex with an overweight person almost <laughs> oh, made God. me vomit. It was that Very bad. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> That's that pretty so much what though. he said, yeah. This guy is, he thinks he's such tough, tough shit, like... In this universe, I guess, in a way, he kind of is. He's got this very prestigious job that, but he doesn't exactly like flaunt that because at some point someone asks, you know, what do you do? And he's like, I work in technology. So I don't know. He's an asshole. Yeah. The entire book. And yet, apparently, that is how he was taught to get women. Okay. So many other guys. He's got okay. the secret. I was, I was talking about this a little bit before we recorded. Here's why I see him being such an asshole. Um, so we have these two timelines. One is happening in his subconscious mind because when he got this job, they implanted something in his brain so that he could, he could use his subconscious mind to do the shuffling of the 
numbers or whatever. So when he finds out about this, the professor who did it is telling him, you're going to lose consciousness and become part of this subconscious world for all eternity in 36 hours. And he keeps saying, you're going to regain everything you have lost. So to me, that said that he became an asshole probably around the same time that he had the surgery and the we were talking about at in the end of the world timeline with the unicorns the <laughs> dream reader is much more sympathetic his shadow to a little bit like they're more emotional and softer boys so i think that he lost that part of him the narrator did and when he is reunited with that side of himself doesn't want to lose it again well yeah or you know he then he'll be a better person (laughs) i mean i agree i i think that is exactly how you're supposed to read this book Mm -hmm. okay well then i was an asshole wrong the whole time Because I'll tell you how Wait, I, I Ollie, read you it. you knew that the, the both main characters were the same guy, right? Yep, I knew this. Okay. I got that. I got that from the from fairly early on, right? Um, yes. I, what I read it as, right, and once I figured out that they were the same character, is I read it as there are two sides to every person, right? So there's the side that we put forward and there's the side that we project onto other people. So the side that he wanted to project, the side that he wanted people to see is the guy in the end of the world. He's mm-hmm. the hero character. He's the naive character. He's the nice character. The guy in Hard Boys Wonderland is written first person. And what I think we're supposed to believe is that's what is actually going on in the guy's head, right? So he is actually an asshole, but he wants to be a nice guy. He wants to be the guy in the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So what the scientist did, who by the way the the grandfather the scientist who is a monster right yes. right has carried out this experiment i don't think the the guy has he, he didn't accept this he, he didn't take part in it he didn't do it for the job i think the guy took him and experimented on him mm-hmm. without permission because they mentioned and torture others. and 25 others the other people who live in the village in the end of the right. world yeah. and i think that we're getting firsthand what this guy is actually like. I think he's a genuine asshole. I think that's how he was. He's privileged. He's used to getting what he wants. He's used to just saying whatever he wants. I mean, he, he meets this girl, the, first, the, the chubby girl, the girl in the pink jumpsuit. He's trying to hit on her instantaneously, despite the fact that two sentences beforehand, and it's all first person, so it's all inside his head, he's talking about how he doesn't find her attractive at first. And then two sentences later, he's hitting on her because she's his kind of chubby. And I, I hate to keep oh. going back to this, but it's like he just makes these random changes in his head. It's like, boom, this is what I'm going to do. There's no, there's no thought behind it. It's just following. He's, he's, he's just after physical pleasures all the time. And I think the other guy is what he wants to be. It's mm-hmm. the character that he'd like to be. And that's right. why, and that's what the scientist has set up for him, has made it appealing for him. So you know this idea of you're going to have 48 hours left to live? Mm-hmm. That he will then make the choice at the end to accept that he's losing the shithead life and he's going to become the character in the other world. And because the other character is who he's always wanted to be, it's who, who he unconsciously wants to be. Um, or subconsciously wants to be, I can never tell which of those you're supposed to use. That's what he's going to do, is he's going to accept it. So I don't think that it was taken from him. I think it's actually been used as a carrot in front of him. Come and take this. 
this is what you can be if you accept what I've done to you. Hmm. But you don't think that he's after just, what did you say? Bodily pleasures? Did you say He's that? after bodily pleasures, physical. yeah. That's the only physical thing. Physical and, Ta- and Tangible pleasures. Tangible you, pleasures, yeah, yes. You don't think that those, those shifts happen in his brain so erratically because he's had this invasive brain surgery? He... He's had the invasive brain surgery. He doesn't seem to notice anything wrong with himself. Well, you wouldn't, would you? Sure, but... But, I mean, if, if, if he's having erratic thoughts that he'd never had before, surely you would you notice that you're, you're, you are acting and thinking strangely yourself. But you might not if he doesn't want people to notice that there's something going on with them or if it just... But it's entirely, point, it's entirely first person, so it's entirely sure, inside his head. At one point, the scientist, grandfather, whatever... Um, talks Monst- about monster I call him the monster yes uh, talks about um, okay so the narrator falls into a hole and has like a really vivid memory which kind of almost plays to the fact that maybe he can't really remember too much before he became took this job mm-hmm. um, right. and then the scientist is like no that's that's 100% not a memory that's something you created in your head uh-huh. so I don't think he knows what he was like before the surgery and See, his wife just left him, and he's kind yes. of just like, whatever. And I, I saw that as also a symptom of what had happened. Also, the... the but he... His wife left him, and then he took the job. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Yeah, because there was the the grandfather's... The scientist's granddaughter, that's what I'm going to call her, uh-huh. um, was talking about how the job's really hard and how it causes a lot of marital problems. And he's like, yeah, well, mine ended before I took this job. It was not a factor. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I just wanted to point out, so, I don't know if this is just a semantics thing. So, the, both storylines are written in the first person. Okay. Okay. So, I I don't know. So, yeah, I I could see it as two halves of a whole, Uh and that it's been splits. Um, Which one's the real him? I mean, there are plenty of TV shows, hell, I was watching Charm the other day, where, you know, Prue (laughs) Astral projects, and it's her id and her ego fighting against each other. I mean, Uh it's... They're both him. I mean, yeah. very clearly. I don't think he's faking at the end because he didn't leave Wonderland. Or he didn't leave the end of the world or the utopia or whatever. Mm-hmm. He chose to stay. Right. So I don't think if he was faking it, he eventually accepted it. Because mm-hmm. he fell in love with the librarian. Yes. Well, that's another thing. Murakami loves libraries. He does Apparently, love libraries. There's two. there's two of them. But the reason I was taking it the way I, I've taken it, and it's not, I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to be wrong. I've been wrong many, many times in my life. Right? Well, it's your interpretation. Um, there's no wrong or right. No, no, I get it. Uh, but the way I was taking it is he still has, like, if, he, if he's lost some of his memories, if he's had stuff taken out of him, he still knows he enjoys music. He still knows he enjoys food. He still knows he enjoys carnal pleasures. Why, if, if they've taken this from him, I mean, taken stuff from him, surely they'd have accidentally taken some of those things he likes as well. So they've managed to surgically just remove all of the stuff which makes this nice character in his head, but left all of the other things perfectly intact. He's number 25. I mean, the other 24 died. It- could be reason to believe that he is the perfect one that it actually worked. Yeah, and I also mean, I don't know if they intentionally did any of it. Like, yeah, it, who knows what they took out? I think it's just a side effect. And also the professor talks about how his brain is different because he has this whole constructed subconscious thing. So I think his brain's his 
His reign was special, you guys. He was the chosen one. <laughs> Is it because maybe it may be because he was a calcutech before? So maybe because he was already highly trained to use his brain. So I mean, it, it, it's perfectly yeah. yeah, it's perfectly valid. Like yeah, yeah. I still think I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely open for interpretations, and if any listener wants to throw theirs in, please do. <laughs> yes. Either way, he was an asshole who loved food and couldn't get it up. So. I mean, I love food. And I'm an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? Even as a joke, when Emily said, I love food, I very nearly said, and I can't get it up. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not admit that. (laughs) You may not want to go on record for that. That's what I was saying. This is is going to be released to the world. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know who's going to listen. Um, So let's talk about the scientist a little bit, because he is the antagonist, more or less, of the story. Um, I found him fascinating, though. I liked him in the beginning. He was great. I liked his discussion of how we're going to evolve to where we don't need sound, which I think is bullshit. But <laughs> yeah, I think Murakami would also say that's bullshit. <laughs> he pretends to know nothing of the main or of the narrator's job. He's like, "Oh, yeah. explain to me what you're doing," and blah 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 blah. Uh, and then it turns out he is the grandfather of all of it. He created the whole thing, yeah. Which side did he play for? Does it say? He I, was... I, that's where I got confused. So I know they, they worked in the system together and got tempted by the other side. Yeah, in the background, there's almost a, a the system, which I think is the government, that assigns these jobs that, it, you know, regulates the narrator's world. And then there is, I can't, what are they called? The sis, there's the the system or the, the guy that the scientist works for and the Calcutech works for? And then there's Semiotech. And those are the guys trying to steal data. They were the guys yeah. trying to steal data. And then there's the Inklings who are these like cave dwellers Mythical living creatures. in the sewers. Like, yeah. Yeah. Don't look at them. You won't ever be able to look away. We never get a description of them. Oh, I know. It's creepy. Yeah. I think maybe he just couldn't describe them. Um, so he left. Or he likes to leave an air of mystery so you create something in your mind. I was about to say, it's whatever's in my head is going to be a hell of a lot more creepy than what it actually ends up being. Yeah. <clears throat> and then that's not the only going. creature. They all look like Mr. Bean to me. Oh, well, I you live in a very scary world, Ollie. <laughs> I had a fix. I was like, the inklings are coming. It was like he's just getting chased by a bunch of silent Mr. Beans <laughs> running around. I mean, that's still pretty terrifying. It looks, it's pretty look terrifying. Like, they look like Mr. Tato to me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's crazy. They they they'll they're these things that live underground and they hate people who live in the light and they don't want them down there. And they worship a fish. They worship these fish. They worship the fish. They also if they catch you, they maim you and then let you Pickle sit. You. Yeah, then they let you sit in the water for a long time until you're to like rot. Yeah. Good yeah, and rot. Eat anything fresh. <laughs> so I was picturing like almost like little golem type creatures. Yeah. Yeah. I was being facetious earlier. Obviously, I I think that's maybe the most affecting part of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it is genuinely horrifying. And as soon as the scientist talks about them, oh, they, they, you don't want to get caught by an inkling. And you're like, uh, is he just doing clever wordplay here? Inkling, no, you're already <laughs> said thought or you're worried about a thought coming in. And then when you actually hear them described and um, what they do, you're like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't want to get caught by those either. No. Sounds pretty dodgy. They it spend a lot of world. time underground just yeah. trying to stay away from these things. And at one point, they 
pass really close to them. And that part I thought was very... Yes. To use all these words, affecting. There's one thing I wanted to say about the scientist is uh, there was one little passage in particular just after you meet him and uh, he's talking about doing experiments on people and the narrator asking why you're doing this do you not feel like it's wrong and the scientist says oh I don't I don't know if experimenting itself is wrong like God has made us to be curious blah 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 um torture I think is wrong and then there's like a little ellipsis and then he says if you're going to experiment on somebody, you'd want to do something more spiffing and interesting than just torture. Oh, again, like, so this, yeah. this is a guy who's gone beyond the idea of torturing somebody into, you might as well do something fun with it while you're at it. Like, <laughs> and yeah. to me, like, that is pretty terrifying. Uh, this guy has got to the level where human, humanness means nothing to him. People mean nothing to him. They're just science experiments. But that's... the narrator doesn't seem to hate him. I mean, he does, obviously. Like, he gets really angry. But after they get out of the sewers and the subway system, he's like, you going to go back down for your grandfather? Like, well, yeah, cause what he's, like he... what's he going to do at that point? <laughs> that's, I mean, true, but it's, yeah. I don't know. This dude has now taken your life. You've got 36 hours. Yeah. I don't know. Would you spend some of those hours trying to kill the dude? No, I'd drink no, whiskey. And listen to Bob Dylan. And, and have uh, a really fucking good meal. I would probably have, really have some good bourbon. Meal. Yeah. And have a and really good a fucking meal. Try to what would you guys do? Since, since this is one of the a major bit of the book, uh, what would you guys do with your last day on Earth if you knew that you had one day left? You'd fuck, okay, Emily. No, <laughs> okay. My sister, Three times, just to make sure you know my penis works. <laughs> my sister asked me this question once before I turned 18, and I told her well, I would wait, want wait, to wait. lose. Wait, 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 were you 17? I may have been. It was about her, time, I'd, Emily. I'd be like, I, want to, I would want to lose my virginity. <laughs> I mean, this is... <laughs> I don't well, I, now that you've lost that. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Um yeah, I mean Millhouse doesn't count, Emily. What? Did you say Millhouse? Millhouse is a quote from The Simpsons. Oh god. <laughs> no, I, I would I mean, this guy didn't have any friends or family. So I would probably spend time with my friends and family. <laughs> yeah. You are much nicer than this guy, Emily. This he's an absolute shit show of a human being. And yeah, I would want a lot of food. It's almost like, I, I get his last day, and I don't think the last part of it is necessarily bad. He goes and has a really good meal and spends time with someone that, as close to love, he does. Uh-huh. Um, either that or it's the person he's like, last time we got together, this didn't work, so I'm going to prove to you that this <laughs> works, and then I'm going to go. That actually may be the actual vibe. But I don't know, I, I agree getting home to see friends and family i have a bucket list that i need to find that is ever growing but do you have an actual bucket list i do have an actual bucket list when i was 20 i nearly died three times oh so oh um, uh, do you mind if we ask how or oh, well, yeah. i say we it's, it's me asking <laughs> emily's um, there respecting your personal space and i'm like how did you nearly die I uh, I got diagnosed with a, a really rare autoimmune disease that got misdiagnosed a few times, so I ended up in the ER uh, in need of a serious blood transfusion um, that if it had gone on a few more weeks um, would have killed me, and if I had been born 
if I had been born, if I had gotten it 20 years previously, there were no medication for. Oh, God. There was no medication for. So um, there was that. And then that was in August when I finally ended up getting treatment. And then in November, the Monday before Thanksgiving, I ended up in a horrific car accident that's um, because of the medication I was on, because of the illness, thinned my blood and should not have lived through the car accident because of the illness. And if I had not been sick anyways, I probably still wouldn't have lived through the car accident. So I ended up in ICU for a little under a month and then in a long-term oh, care facility for like a week and a half. Um, Fuck me. And so yeah, like <laughs> my tw- the year I turned 20 was kind of a shit show. Um, so yes, I started a bucket list after that point to kind of keep, because I still, it's, it's not a curable disease, so I still have it. It's completely, well, it's currently a little out of balance and I'm going to have to go through treatment soon, which is perfectly fine, but I live with it. It's fine. I still do a lot of shit. I've ran a half marathon. I play tennis tournaments when I, you know, before I moved up here, Mm -hmm. um, I live with it, but it's also still kind of a newer understood disease so you know um yes i have a bucket list which makes me sound like i'm 90 years old but at the same time it's a little bit of perspective so (laughs) so on the bucket list how high is coming to ireland it's actually fairly high on there i want to travel um nice not high enough that i've actually gotten my passport but uh (laughs) yes ireland's on there i've done things like i mean at the time graduating college was on the list finding a you know a real job um and things like that uh, were on there. Nice. Flying a plane. I've done that. Starting nice. a podcast? <laughs> Not at the time. <laughs> uh, get a tattoo was on it. Um, there's some things that have come off. Like, I have no desire to buy a house anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I want to see all my siblings get married or whatever, you know. Things like that. Yeah. So it's a little so, bit sentimental and on top of that a little bit Something crazy. just occurred to me. We're not actually doing best acquaintances at the minute. Let's just make this <laughs> podcast. So if I was told I had 24, 48 hours, I'd probably pick a couple things on my bucket list to do the first 24 hours and then spend the last 24 hours just surrounded by friends and family. Right. Nice. So. That sounds lovely. So, sorry, let's not bring the podcast down. <laughs> Mortality, guys, think about it. Oh, but, I try but, not to. But, okay, I, this guy, though, he wasn't really dying. He was no. retreating into an immortal subconscious. But in but he was dying, Emily. Like, his body was going to die. His body, but it, I didn't see it as that big of a... Deal. So yeah, for a while I thought that it was literally the end of the world. They talked mm. about a time bomb. Yeah. And that the village was part of literally the end of the world. Mm-hmm. It was what has been built out beforehand. So for a little while I I, I re- immediately thought it was a narrator in both. But then I was like, well, maybe it's two different guys because clearly this is after the apocalypse has happened, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, yeah you're right. It's not... It's the end of his world. Like, we've, not... we've been looking the whole time into what he's going into. Right. And it's not the best, but it's also not the worst. It reminded me a lot of uh, A Brave New World, yeah. kind of. I mean, a, a burly gatekeeper is going to stick a hot knife through your eyeballs, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But you won't feel it, so it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. 
you will be a nicer person in the other world. That's <laughs> yeah. that's a good yes. incentive. That's it is actually a really good, a really interesting thing because I was thinking about this as I was reading through the book. Is um, and it's something Emily just mentioned there. If you can exist as just a thought or just a memory or just that part of your subconscious or unconscious, mm-hmm. is that enough to be considered life, or do you have to still have the physical form, the physical body? And uh, like, because I think that's what Murakami is kind of getting at here is. Do, are we to take it that he has died by the end or are we to take it that he's still alive? Well, it sounds like he has the possibility of still being alive. It's until your shadow dies. Yeah. So like he could yeah. have come back. Yeah, your mind dies. But yeah. I also think it's kind of a concept that we probably don't have. Like we, like we can't imagine it because it's not within our scope yeah. of understanding. Yeah. Human, like we a, only know a life, death, and maybe an afterlife, but I think maybe it's something, it's some kind of gray area. There is a nice quote in the book where he says that uh, all of human endeavor is predicated on the idea that life goes on. So mm-hmm. when that's taken away, is there a point in actually a try, attempting anything or trying anything, which is why he spends his last 24 hours as he spends his last 24 hours. Yeah. He's just trying to enjoy them. He's got no reason to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Black Mirror episode about this, kind of, and I'm guessing, have you guys seen Black Mirror? No, I think it would freak me out too much. First, I saw the first episode. Okay, so um, you've seen the pig one? Yes. Um, okay. Well, there's a, there's essentially a Black Mirror episode where, as you get closer to death, you can basically download yourself into a system mm. where you can live forever. Yeah. So oh, awesome. Same kind of concept. <laughs> Are you really living? Will we ever transcend human bodies? <laughs> what will we judge other people by at that point yeah. see this is this is what i mean last week when i said uh, or two weeks ago when i said my book didn't make us think about any of this stuff <laughs> maybe think about dudes with swords right um i i wanted to say on just a purely technical level i think that he's a beautiful writer oh, and yes. um mm. I appreciated how once he knew he had like there there was a time limit left on his conscious life like you were very aware of well there's this much time left I have this much time left everything kind of slowed down he said I have this much time left and I'm in a laundromat I have this much time left and I have nothing really to do now I'm stuck in traffic and it like all became kind of slow and very I, don't know, I would hate just... to think how much time you waste when you know you have no time left. Yeah. And also, I think it's very beautiful writing, but also I know that he works very, um, like, he works very hands-on with his translators. Because he writes in Japanese, oh, of course, of... and he makes, he makes sure that his... <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm saying. I no. like him. I like him. Okay, guys? I, I have nothing against the author. I think this book is entirely beautifully written. I actually mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. I really fucking hated the narrator. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, like, I'm, I was... the exa- I'm the exact same as Megan. I, I really enjoyed the book. I just don't like that I enjoyed the book yeah. as much as I did. Um, <laughs> because the, the main character that you're meant to... Uh, well then there's a debate as to whether or not you're supposed to identify with the main character Mm -hmm. but the main character is such a dickhead yeah yes that i didn't want to spend any more time with him i mean so it goes chapter the the odd chapters are with the narrator in the real world and then the even chapters are with the guy in the fantasy world 
every time it finished with an even chapter and starts into an odd chapter, it was like, oh, 34 pages of this dickhead. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up reading, uh, doing a little bit of an audiobook on this because I, I traveled a lot this week and forgot my book. Um, so the audiobook has two different readers, hmm. uh, which kind of helped separate it, but it was still fascinating. Yeah. The, the main world guy spoke really quick as where when he was in the end of the world, it was very slow and steady paced mm. and no rush for anything kind of thing. So it was, it was nice, especially some of the exponential parts <laughs> uh, <laughs> just to kind of sit there and, and listen to while I was, you know, doing dishes and cooking dinner. Yeah. So Well, I would be interested to see what you guys would say about the other book I've read of his. <laughs> oh, have you read it's... another book of his, Emily? <laughs> oh, both. Kafka on the Shore and one Q84 on my very long turn to read list. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you would, I would hope that you would like the narrator more in that book. He's like, he's <laughs> a 15 year old boy and you know, there's just, it's very different. There isn't so much science crap. <laughs> <laughs> the science it, is the best, most interesting bit of this. There's book. more magical realism. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of my favorite things to do is read books on how to write. Mm-hmm. and how to write a good novel and one of the ones i'm currently reading talks about you know how you build your main character and you have to give your main character a little bit to make him likable <laughs> and and it goes through the different ways you can do that like the different types of heroes different types of anti-heroes and things like that this isn't the first narrator i've hated but mm-hmm. it's the first one i've read since i read that book and so <laughs> now i'm going why because i would have stuck it out either way why because there were no redeeming. Is it the fact that they had the balance of the narrator that I was okay with? Mm. I didn't really like either narrator that much. Mm. I mean... And the second narrator is very naive. whiny. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is the ideal version? I don't think it's the She's still not particularly version. good. But that's why, that's part of the reason why I don't think that. Do you want oh. a melding between the two? So you want the naive guy who also thinks about sex and food all the time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, he's, exactly he's, only, life. he's only naive because he's separated from that part of himself. When he was yes. connected to his shadow, he was probably a, a well-rounded dude. <laughs> <laughs> so the librarian at the end of the world, mm. is that's supposed to be the pink chubby girl? Or the librarian. It's. I assumed it was the same librarian. I okay. thought it was too, because he talks about her long hair a lot. With both yeah, of them. and he he talks about the physical resemblance and how she reminds him of somebody mm-hmm. when okay. his shadow is there. Yeah, because my only concern was that at one point she talks about when she was seventeen and she gave up her shadow. Mm. So. I think that's is that the because like in America when we're eighteen we're considered legal adults. Is that the age in Japan? It possibly is. It could be just a, entirely a coincidence. Yeah. So. Hmm. Damn, I never thought about that. Actually, that's yeah. I hope she's not the uh, the girl in pink. Well, she, it's implied she, she she gave it up a long time ago. She gave yeah. up her shadow a long time ago. Not it, but. Um, <laughs> she gave it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, the way. <laughs> sorry, we're talking about the girl that really wanted to have sex. So. Yeah, I also oh. like that about the chubby girl because she was in charge of her sexual agency. Yes. Although I did enjoy at the end of the world where the librarian is like, is there anything I can do for you? And he's like, no. And she's yeah. like, there's got to be 
something I can do for you. And he's like, <laughs> no, no. And she's like, do There's you want something see? that you need that ties like, you back to the real world? No. Maybe if Christ, they... you want me to sleep with you. Yeah. Maybe if my other mental part was here, I'd be saying something different to this question. <laughs> yeah. Go ask my shadow. <laughs> Can you make me a sandwich? <laughs> yeah, and she's like, do you want me to sleep with you? And he's like, no, that would probably make me feel worse. <laughs> and then he's like, I will, I, even after I lose my shadow, I will not sleep with her or something. I was like, okay, well, you're, you're conflicted. <laughs> At best. Yeah, this was a, definitely a, a very different book. It's easy to talk about it like that. It is. I, I'm definitely going to... So, I read a lot of shit. Like, I read a lot of just shit books, and I love it. <laughs> um, but I try to read a couple, of, like, considered highly literary, educational kind of books, I guess. Pretentious. Yes, pretentious, <laughs> pompous. Um, uh, so this might make it, he might be another author I added to the rotation where I read one of his a year mm-hmm. kind of thing. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, as I was saying earlier, I, I've already, well, I've bought, um, one Q 84, except I have been calling it IQ 84 because apparently <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> did you buy it as separate books or the one big I bought it as separate books. So I I went in. Once I finished this one, and what I've said mentally is I'm going to give it one more go. And (laughs) I'm going to see if this book sticks with me better. Because I genuinely, like, this is beautifully written book. Mm. He's a fantastic writer. The way he describes stuff is amazing. We were going through quotes earlier. Some of the quotes are brilliant. Some of them sound like Larry the Cable Guy. But some of them are. (laughs) No, they don't. Anything sounds like Larry the Cable Guy when you say it in Larry Cable Guy voice. They, there are a few of them are dodgy dodgy come on <laughs> dodgy quotes right but they are beautiful and I said I, I said to the two of you that um, a lot of them is the kind of you know high thinking that I thought I was having as a, a late teen early 20s guy oh I watched a bit of French new wave cinema I'm so deep <laughs> right and that's the kind of stuff that I was thinking about at the time and I was reading it I was like this is really well written but I felt like shit after the end of this book. I was like, ah, oh, fucking, I don't ever want to pick up this. Like, I, it, as beautiful as it was, and I still remember lots of it, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, like, as I was going through it, I was going through my notes a few minutes ago, I was like, I don't remember this bit, and I don't feel invested enough to pick up the book and try and find <laughs> oh. the part that I'm referencing, just because. It's a tough one. Is it because yeah. you didn't like the story, or you didn't relate to the characters like what about it what's causing the disconnect for you i think the 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 problem is a a mixture of two right the story itself is very slight um effectively what you've got is a guy who starts a new job and gets double crossed right and that's that's what happens so i mean if anyone's seen escape from new york basically he signed up to something and they've injected him with poison and he's got 48 hours to live and then he has to do a set of tasks in the next 48 hours that's that's what we're dealing with here. <laughs> right. They can dress it up whatever way they want, yeah. but that's what we've got. You've got a limited time scale, and you have to go do something in that limited time scale. And then he decides not to bother, which is a, a, like it's a brilliant choice by the author. He's like, nah, yeah. fuck it. If I, if I'm not gonna live, sure, what's the point, right? Yeah. So I get that, and it's really nice. But like that's a small story, and to me, what he's done is he's dressed it up and he's written around the story. So 
they're in this office and they've got this elevator that is moving but he can't feel the moving and as a science person I'm sitting there going he's invented inertial dampers okay whatever whatever I don't care right but um, so he's not feeling the thing and then he goes down into a tunnel which brings him into like this place with waterfalls and sewers and like it's all this amazing place it's like this hidden city or hidden area valleys and stuff underneath Tokyo and I'm going that's fine it's still, you've just taken two chapters to describe a guy going into his new place of work to go meet the boss. <laughs> I mean, it's true. The, the entire first chapter is a very long, extended oh, panic right. attack slash I'm really cool. I'm really awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that is pretty much what it is. Yes, and I got yeah. this job. Because so, the <laughs> so there is so little plot that then the built it up with characters which I couldn't identify with, I couldn't get on board with, and to the point, I don't think he wanted me to. Mm -hmm. So this is like, um, I talk about this all the time at movies where people go, oh, it went over your head, or you just didn't get that. I get what he's trying. (laughs) I just didn't appreciate him doing it to me, is what I'm saying. So, for example, Megan, you play computer games, right? Um, I play more video games, but yes, yes. Video games, yeah. So... (laughs) Uh, well, I, call, I call all video games computer games because I'm, I'm European. Okay, just like, making I'm, sure that... I'm sexy European like that. Like I thought, I, just making sure you weren't about to be like this PC game and be like, no, I, I, I thought <laughs> I have No, I just mean games in general. The yes. entire book felt like I was sent on an extended fetch quest <laughs> in, a compu- in a video game. And I was like, I know where this is heading. And once I, once I twigged what was going on, and I twigged it later than you two did, because I'm slow, right? And once I twigged what was going, I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen here. I know the general gist of what's going to happen at the end of it. And you're just making me spend time with an asshole to get there. I can understand that, yeah. yeah. I, I, once I kind of caught on to it too, I was like, okay, is there going to be where the stories meet up some big, exciting moments? And he leaves it kind of open-ended. Yeah, it's which I I love an open ended ending. I do too. I, I <laughs> because you could talk about them all day long. Uh-huh. This is obviously a book that could fairly easily sit in a in a college course where you could write thousands of papers on it. Yeah, it could go I mean, so many different ways. And only don't feel bad because I didn't realize that the beasts were unicorns until we started talking. So <laughs> <laughs> you were not the last. I'm fairly certain Murakami didn't realize there were unicorns until he decided to write down unicorn. He talks there was about a... their horn at the beginning. I'm sure he does. It's Listen, just, Emily, I, I just think... spent two chapters listening to the other guy talk about his horn. It could have been anything. <laughs> he talks about the horn so early on, and then he talks about this skull. And for a while, I thought the skull might be human. And then it wasn't. I don't know. I just, there was, I never made the connection of the unicorn. Mm-hmm. I do also have to say, I'm, I'm taking a look because I wanted to see what he studied um, to see if he studied science, to see if there was any basis mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. Uh, apparently he studied drama. Yeah, I can um, tell that. But he wrote, he began to write fiction at the age of 29. Let's talk about how happy that makes me. <laughs> oh, there was 29. <laughs> Someone who is an aspiring author, like the fact that he didn't start until he was 29 I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we were recording, um, we were debating or discussing how old he was. And I was like, he must have been really old writing this. And then I found out he was a year <laughs> younger than I am right now. So, um, yeah, I feel de- fucking depressed as shit. So, <laughs> so, so the first chapter, thir- chapter that takes place at the end of the world, chapter two, okay. um, 
it begins and he's automatically describing the beasts. He talks about the golden fur that grows over their ball- bodies. And um, balls? <laughs> over their balls? Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it sounded like Emily was just saying. Their body. <laughs> he, talks, he uses the word piebald, which is often used to describe horses. Um, they nibble at the young grass. <laughs> they fold their legs under them to take a short rest. Only that long, single horn protruding from the middle of their forehead stays white from base to slender tip. That, to me, says unicorn. Okay. No, but see, I, I agree. Yeah, that does say unicorn, okay, not that you know they're unicorns. I read. Then he but he says, described them as chapter, beasts. Then he says it reminds one less of a horn than a broken bone that has pierced the skin and lodged in place. So I guess that maybe. So I read the first half, third of this book two weeks uh-huh. ago and then you get to the unicorn talk at about that point and i'm like reading this a couple days ago and i'm like where the fuck did unicorns come from <laughs> so yes if i had read it much more in uh-huh. sync yes i probably would have picked up that it was the unicorn megan but... i read it in sync um because i read <laughs> the first 17 or 18 chapters in the space of two or three days and once they start describing beasts and you have a gi- large giant man, a gatekeeper who's stronger than any other 20 men in the village, who's locking a That's gate true. to keep yes. them out. So you're locking a gate to keep out beasts. You could describe them as unicorns and I'm still going to go... Well, that's not a unicorn. Who's keeping unicorns <laughs> out? Beast. It's a beast. It's a beast that you're putting the world's largest gate in effect to stop them getting into a place. I'm not thinking, oh, those lovely little white horses with their horns. Like it's. It only keeps them out <laughs> well, at night. Well, they mostly come out at night. Mostly. Well, they're out during the day, too. It describes the unicorns and it talks about how they're like, okay, you're the only person who seems to be really fascinated with them, which in hindsight makes Get sense. Get over it, dude. They're but just it's like... unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> but then he mentioned something happens for, what, two weeks in the fall? Is it that they fight each other i cannot remember um i don't know that there's like a week where everybody is watching the unicorns yeah so and then a lot of them a lot of them die during the winter yeah and then they're yes the same number that dies is reborn yeah and that's where the memories are kept in the skulls of the unicorn yeah yeah just your i did like the comparison <laughs> of unicorns in the west versus the east. Mm. I love the fact that Emily's yeah there was like, of course, Ollie. <laughs> Everyone knows that. <laughs> where do you think where do you, where do you where do you think the memories are stored? <laughs> Emily, um, as you were reading it, uh, and you've read uh, Kafka on the Shore before, did you prefer this or Kafka on the Shore, the other book that you've read? Kafka on the Shore. And okay. what, like, what about the two of them did you find? So what, yeah, what about Kafka did you find more enjoyable than this? Kafka was much more emotionally based, and much more of it took place within the real world. Um, there were talking cats in it, and um, <laughs> <laughs> those those two se- <laughs> those two sentences don't really work together. It took more place in the real world. There were talking cats in it. Uh, it was. I just. It's different. It's not so scientific. Uh, you know, it's about a kid just kind of trying to figure out who he is and another guy doing something else. It's another one where there are two different storylines. Yeah. I wonder if that's a really common theme. In I books. wonder. 
I'll have to hmm. I'll have to read more. Just mentioning the science, the uh, the way the scientist or the uh, the old man or the monster, as I'm going to call him, um, describes sound reduction, is pretty close to how sound reduction might work in in real life. Hmm. So about using interference to cut out waves, and and you can you can do that. I mean, it's incredibly difficult, um, and you're never going to be able to set it up the way they've done it in the book, but you could theoretically take one sound and mix the exact opposite or the sorry the exact same sound in the opposite direction and in phase and it will cancel out the sound you get so you get no sound coming from it which is pretty cool and that's what he talks about yeah Yeah, and the way that our souls merge with the unicorns and then kind of dissipate that's also really (laughs) spot on it's very close (laughs) to what actually happens so he's done his research i was actually thinking about that as i was reading through i was going would it be unbelievably amazing if something like that actually happened like like they discovered that the human soul like that movie 21 grams where when the person dies their, their body loses 21 grams and it's the soul leaving like imagine your soul doesn't just leave it goes to the nearest cow <laughs> <laughs> well here we have it wild horses so maybe a little bit cooler uh, than that yeah co- horses are cows I'm, I'm the, the nearest thing to our house is a cow so a cow's gonna just like be sitting there and all of my memories are going to be inside the skull of the cow move there's someone who can read yes. them <laughs> ollie did you say what you were gonna do um if you only had 48 hours left to live uh yeah well i was joking and said that i'd do the exact same thing as the narrator which i would not um i'd spend it with my wife and my son um oh. Okay. I, I'm assuming that it, if it was to happen soon, and I'd sp- I genuinely would spend the day. I'd take Donald to the beach, and we'd just basically sit there and hug, because I I can't imagine <laughs> actually living without them. So I like Aww. that's pretty bad. Well, you wouldn't. I mean, sorry. I mean, manly. Uh, I'd go play football. <laughs> have so I'd, many erections. <laughs> yeah, I'd polish my samurai sword if you get my meaning. <laughs> samurai. Because it works. It works. <laughs> So I think it's pretty safe to say that we're all, while not necessarily loving this book, we love the author and we're going to give him another shot. Yes. Agreed. Everyone Um, read Kafka on the Shore because it's it's so good. I will read Kafka on the Shore just so I can talk to you about it. Yes, thank you. I've been keeping count. That's six times, Emily, during this this episode. (laughs) Also, if my friend Nathan listens to this, I did enjoy this book. Thank you for giving it to us. Um, Yes, we enjoyed it too. Thank you for... Fine. Yeah, thank you for pointing it out or for picking up it or for recommending it, Emily, because I would, I genuinely would never have picked this up on the shelf, and I really did enjoy it. I, I don't want to say again, I hated the fact I enjoyed it. I did hate the fact <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I, it would something I would never have read, and now I will read another one of his books, and hopefully it won't leave me as feeling as dejected and horrible and hateful of myself as it did. <laughs> and that's the point of the podcast. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what are you guys going to be reading next? Um, I went to a local bookstore the other day and I bought a copy of My Cousin Rachel by Daphne Daphne the Moon. Yes, same author as Rebecca. There's there's okay. a movie coming out with Rachel Weiss, um, of My Cousin Rachel and I wanted to read it before the movie came out. I'm gonna cool. be reading that next. That to my list. Ollie? I am going to read uh, 1Q84. Uh, next? Um, You're not going to take yeah. a little palate cleanser? Ollie, read. Well, 
free Kafka on the shore. Okay. <laughs> no, I was going to rec- recommend a nice palate cleanser that you haven't read yet. But it's, oh, it's okay. Yeah, go on ahead. No, no, what's what's the palate cleanser? I think you should read Lamb next and then read IQ 1Q84. Did, did you say Lamb? Uh, uh, we're talking Christopher, Christopher Moore. Moore. Lamb, yeah. Okay. The one about William's the Catholic... not my favorite. The one about the Catholic priest. No, we've already had this no. conversation. Lamb is about Jesus' best friend growing up. All right. Um, right. I agree that it's a very funny yes. book. Yeah, I, I, I'll give that a go. Um, I am currently reading Hero in the Shadows, book three of the Waylander series. <laughs> so uh, I was going to finish that and then uh, go into one cute thing, but I'll, I'll pick up Lamb. So who writes it? Christopher Moore. Christopher Moore. Christopher Moore. All right, yeah, I'll pick that up. He also wrote A Dirty Job, which is one of my favorite books. Mm. It's one of my favorite things. Well, it's about a guy becoming a grim reaper. <laughs> no, Ollie likes the show Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe. Oh god, okay. I what am I reading next? I just went to BookCon, so I have a lot of new books. Megan, what is BookCon, if you don't mind me asking? Because you mentioned it so twice and it sounds cool. There is there's a conference called uh, BEA, which is Book Expo America, which is for anybody that's in the publishing world, you go there are panels and discussions of what's coming up in the publishing world, what's changing, things like that. Well, that used to be kind of open to anybody that had a blog because they basically just like shove free books at you, free advanced reader copies. Um, there are people that, you know, you leave with hundreds of books, mm. which it was kind of getting abused by people with blogs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So they drew a line on who's allowed at BEA. If you have a blog, you're still allowed to go. Um, it is either 300 or $400 oh, wow. to apply, or you have to apply. Mm-hmm. And if you get approved, then it's 300 to $400. Same if you're an author, but if you're like a librarian or uh, an English teacher or anything like that, it's only a hundred bucks or 150. Oh, oh lovely, so, yeah. Different levels. Um, so BookCon is the public side of it. You don't have to prove anything, mm-hmm. anybody can go. It was 72 for the whole weekend. Oh, nice. Um, um, but yeah, so BookCon basically involves a lot of standing in lines for free books. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, I got some comics that I love signed, and I ended up coming out with 11 books, um, about half and half I bought, and or were free. Mm-hmm. So, Very cool. Um, uh, what do you guys want to plug? Our podcast. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Ollie and I have a podcast <laughs> called Best Acquaintances, where... We talk to people we've only met on the internet. So they come in, we have a nice conversation with them, and we make real friends in a digital world. Yes, we do. And Ollie's very and, charming, uh, and we get really silly. And, and it's, it's fun. a great fun. And it's legitimately, every single time we do it, it is the first time we've had a conversation with these people. Yes. Um, and then, people are wonderful. We always have really nice guests. Megan has been on, and I recommend her episode. Yes, absolutely. And Ollie and I yes. had only spoken once over Skype before we started the podcast. And it was my first ever Skype call, because I live in <laughs> the olden times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, as someone who listens, um, totally think that if you're listening to this, you need to go check it out. Um, listen to... Helen's episode, I cannot. Helen Lazar. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and oh god, I'm trying to think of my other favorites. Aaron's episode is mm-hmm. great. Um, I always recommend. I was so distracted by Aaron's episode because her voice is just the most awesome voice in the world. It's a great voice. 
I always recommend um, Derek's episode, Derek Hovde, because yes, it's very fun you. and it flows really well. And yeah, I always yes. recommend Jasmine Moat's episode because she's the most delightful human being on the planet. Mm, yes. I agree with all these. I've listened to all of those episodes. I was trying to remember, is it Derek? Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah. Okay. His love episode had me cracking yeah. up the whole Yeah, it was time. so much fun. So yeah. Not that yeah. the rest yes. aren't, but yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean. Um, if you um, want to hear me quite drunk, you can listen to the Christmas episode. <laughs> If you want to hear Ollie a little bit drunk, that would be Megan's episode. Yes. <laughs> when she says a little bit drunk, I was, was well-oiled during that episode. I don't drink very you often. Were... I was ropey. What was the word we learned? I was, yes. I was very ropey, and it was a good time. <laughs> it was a good time. And if you uh, are looking to go on their podcast, they do have... Do you guys have it on your Facebook page, like a, the sign-up thread? No, you can just yes. ask us for it. You can just ask, okay. yeah. And we, we generally, yeah, we'll generally you, link you in. Yeah, yeah. if you find them on Facebook and ask them for it, it is, if you've never been on a podcast, it is the best way to ease into it. <laughs> They're going to make you feel great. <laughs> and we're, we're going to try and get some of your past guests on, uh, Megan. So oh, great. Um, people like Tim and uh, Joe and Marilag, you're all welcome um, to okay. come on to Best Acquaintances anytime. Yeah, I'll uh, be sure to poke them to poke you. Uh, well, I've listened to all your episodes, and everybody you've had on is really, really, really nice people. I, like, genuinely, uh, Tim can come on Best Acquaintances anytime. He's such a nice guy. He was very nervous <laughs> yeah, on yours. Let's see. Next week, I will be joined by two new guests, uh, Stephanie Cortez and Ileana Garcia. And we are reading The Other Bolin Girl, which I think is by <laughs> Philippa Gregory. Um, which I have read before, so it'll be a nice, kind of easy week. I'm not going to have to read and learn a whole new book. So, Megan, I've when read four or five times. When will that first episode be coming out? June 25th. Oh, so Ileana's episode will also be coming out the next day. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. That's that's what oh, we're. That's great. Yeah, probably. It'll be a week of Ileana. Yeah, hmm. she's great. She's great. Have you chatted to her before? She's. Oh yeah, I've met her. Such oh. a sweet person. Like, the next episode will be out on June 25th. Uh, before then, stop it. Before then, you can find us uh, on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Podcasts. We'll help you. You can find us. You can find us. You can um, find us on our website at judgingbookcovers.com. We're on Facebook and, and Facebook and Twitter as JBC Podcast. <laughs> Don't We're do not anything. doing anything. <laughs> and finally, you can find us on Instagram at Judging Book Covers Podcast. Or if you're completely adverse to social media, drop us an email at judgingcoverspodcast at gmail.com. Join us again in two weeks. Where, join us again in two weeks where I'll have two new guests and we'll be discussing the other bullet. Megan, when you edit this, please have Ollie go straight from Oh, I would spend a day with my wife and my child because I can't imagine living without them. Chris Pine has a weird head-to-neck ratio. <laughs> I, will. I will so much. Yeah, that is yes. true. Is his uh, neck weird? We can all look... Yeah, it's just his neck just seems too wide for his head. Like, his neck, oh, like too wide? Yeah. So your head should always be wider than your neck, and his neck is wider than his head. It does kind of, like, do this. 
Yeah, but like you look, like there's three of us here. All of us have heads which are wider than the necks. And he doesn't, like his is out there. So. 